I know it's weird. It's different in this season that we're living in. And for those watching online, thank you for joining us. I just checked out YouTube this morning and I saw there's about 75 of you online there. Facebook, I'm sure you got plenty there too. And so thank you for joining us online. And then for those in the room, you look good today. As pastor said, you look better in person. But we understand if you have to watch online because of safety reasons or whatever, that we, we welcome you too. And we want you back as soon as possible. We love you. And so I'm excited to preach today and, and, and speak to you. And uh, Pastor Brent called me last night and he is, he, I, we don't think he has the COVID, <laughs> but um, he, he has a sinus infection. And so he's like, hey man, I, I just don't feel like it would be right. And to be on a stage and, and everybody questioning whether he's got COVID or not. And so he's at home and he's being supervised by a doctor this morning, Dr. Heather Cadell. But um, if you're watching, please send me feedback on the message as soon as, as, soon as this is over. Uh, but um, man, can we just give some honor to our lead pastor, Pastor Brent, this morning? For many of you that are first time guests, I saw a few hands that went up. Man, welcome to Pearl Street Church. I'm the creative pastor here. I oversee kind of all the production and, and the people that make this thing go uh, on and this side of things. And um, I've been doing this for a few years. It's been, I don't even know at this point. I've gotten to that age where you just lose count and it doesn't matter anymore. You know, it's like, I'm five years in the ministry. Like I knew when it was five years now, I just don't even know. So, um, but I, man, I just cherish this. I cherish, I cherish uh, the calling that God's put on my life. And... Um, I just want to say a few things before we get started. I saw a few people. It's so good to see people. I know Rosie and Natalie are here because I saw them walk in with David. Are you guys upstairs somewhere? Wave at me real quick. Yeah, you're back there. Hey, saw you guys. It's so good to see some faces. Like, Natalie, you, you just in, from California for a few days? Are you staying? Are you, what, what are you doing? <laughs> All right, birthday party. Well, we're just, I don't know why I asked you a question in the middle of service here, but that's, that's what I do. I'm the creative pastor. But um, man, I want to talk to you today about a few things, um, but the, the number one thing I want to talk to you about is your worldview, my worldview, our worldview. If you want to title this message, it would be um, my view, my view, of the th my view of the world. And so um, we are in a, a, this is a rebuilding season in the church, right? It's like we've been gone for six months and it's, it's, it's a different time that we live in. We're doing things differently. And everything feels different. We're, we're kind of working out the kinks. Uh, but but it, it's just different. And we have to look at our worldview because this affects how we move forward. And so we've grown up in a world that, that, has, that has a view of itself that is different than the one that God has. See, when I was in high school, I took a, a, call, a Bible class. It was Bible 101 in high school. And my professor was talking about, my teacher was talking about your worldview. I didn't really care at the time in high school about my worldview. I was like, what, is this, what does this even matter? And now as I start to get older, I realize what a worldview is. See, over the next few weeks, we wanna talk and look at a view of the world and God's design for our lives. Through this, I believe we'll have a clear picture of creation, the problem, and that God's plan for redemption. Once you are clear on a fundamental Christian worldview, it would help you build a solid filter. Somebody say filter. I got a filter here today. We're going to talk about filters, and you're probably going to leave this message like, you're going to know a lot more about filters, because that's how I do things. So we're going to develop this solid filter for the onslaught of secular views that encompass our world today. I want you to look at Romans verses 1, 20, it says this, just listen to this. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities. 
his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Isn't that amazing? That from the creation, God has been revealing himself to humanity. See, this, he didn't just start in the year 2000 after Y2K. It was like, no, since the time has begun, God has been revealing himself to us so that we could learn his character, learn how he views the world. And so today I want to talk a little bit about that. And so I'm going to pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come to Pearl Street Church, that we have people that continually pray, love this church, serve this church, give to this church, God, so that we could take the gospel to our city. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Has anybody ever been in a situation where you needed a map? Like this last, uh, a year ago, we went to Walt Disney World. And if you've never been, it's huge. And how many of you know, just give give me like a wave. How many of you have been to Walt Disney World? Just like show me. Okay, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Maybe you've been to like a theme park, a large theme park, and you didn't really know how to get around. And what is the first thing you're like, what do you need? A map. It's like Walt Disney World, there's so many people. And anybody been to the fireworks at the end of the, end of the night in front of the castle? It's amazing. Like, that's the best thing. But there are so many people that are, like, in that area that if you don't have a map or if you don't know where you are, you're going to get lost quickly. And so I want to look at that because a map is a very similar example to a worldview. A map gives us a reference. It gives us an idea of our surroundings. It helps us perceive things. It helps us identify where we are at. Another thing is floor plans. I I was doing drafting when I got out of high school. I got a drafting degree. Yay, drafting. It's exciting. It's riveting. But I can look at a floor plan. Some of you are in new, new home cells. You can look at a floor plan, and that floor plan lets you know where everything's gonna go. And so if I'm standing in the house, I know whether I'm in the living room, whether it's designed or not. I know if I'm in the living room because I see specific things. Maybe there's a floor plug that was designed there. I'm in the kitchen, there's plumbing. A floor plan gives me what? A reference to my surroundings. It helps me perceive where I'm at. That's what a worldview does. A worldview helps you Look at the world and perceive it in a comprehensive view of how you interpret the world. And so we're going to talk today, do you have a Christian worldview or do you have a secular worldview? Today is going to be just an overview. Pastor wants to dive into this a little further. You know how pastor preaches. He goes hard. And so next week, I'm assuming he's going to go hard uh, on this topic. But we're going to be looking at this topic for the next few weeks. But that's that's what a worldview is. It's like a plan. It's like how you perceive the world. See, If you didn't have a map, you wouldn't know how to get to where you're going. Come on, men. It's hard for us to ask for directions. It's hard. And see, that's what we need to do when we look at our lives. We have to understand that our worldview gives us direction, helps us interpret the situations that we're going to face in life. Let me give you the definition of a worldview. It says, a a worldview refers to the comprehensive conception of the world from a specific standpoint. A Christian worldview, then, is a comprehensive conception of the world from a Christian standpoint. An individual's worldview is his big picture 
a harmony of all his beliefs about the world. It is his way of his or her way of understanding reality. One's worldview is the basis for making daily decisions and is therefore extremely important. Let me give you this example. See, an apple sitting on a table is seen by several people. A botanist looking at the apple classifies it. A artist sees a still life and paints it. A grocer sees an asset and inventories it. A child sees it and eats it for lunch. See, how, many, how we look at a situation influences or influenced by how we look at the world at large. You see, every worldview, Christian and non-Christian, deals with these three questions. Here are the three questions. Write them down. What, where did I come from? Where do we come from? And why are we here? What is wrong with the world? And how can we fix it? That's what our worldview answers. And so I don't know if you've ever been in a situation, but I've been in a situation oftentimes in life where I found myself asking God questions. A husband walked out on a wife. A wife walked out on a husband. God, where are you in all this? I lost somebody I loved. God, where are you in all of this? I lost my job. I failed at my business venture. God, where are you in all of this? See, from a Christian worldview, from a God worldview, you have some answers because the scripture speaks to those topics very clearly. And so if I have this Christian perspective, it gives me, it helps me make my daily decisions so I can offer hope. How many of you have been in a situation where all you could do was pray? Until you find yourself in that situation, you can sit there and say, well, it doesn't really matter. But the moment my daughter is having a seizure and I don't know how to fix it, you reveal your worldview. Well, it is what it is. She's having a seizure. No, 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 no. God, in this situation, Lord, I pray, healing over my daughter. Your worldview is spoken out by the decisions and the, that you make on a daily, your daily life. How many of you would say you have a Christian worldview? Come on. We're like, hmm, we'll find out. So what did we do in those situations not knowing it? We, we've revealed to others what our worldview is. I remember when I first got married, I thought it was weird to pray with my wife. I thought it was weird to pray with my children. I was like, I just, I don't know. I just, it feels funny. That was my secular nature fighting my Christian world, my Christian nature, right? I'm like, I don't know. As you get older in life, you start to ask those hard questions. What do I want to build my life upon? See, a prevalent worldview right now today is naturalism, which answers the three questions that I mentioned like this. We are the product of random acts of nature with no real purpose. The second question, we do not respect nature as we should. What's the problem with the world? Number three, how can we fix it? We can save the world through ecology and conservation. See, a natural, naturalistic worldview generates many related philosophies, such as moral relativism, existentialism. I have a hard time with these words. Pragmatism and utopianism. So today, we can look at the world and say, well, if you have a naturalistic worldview, which is a secular worldview, you put man at the center. So we can fix it. Through my ability, I can get it done. But God's perspective is, God's the answer. He fixes it. He's already got it done. Which causes me to what? 
humble myself, submit myself to him, take personal responsibility and rely on him. Amen? See, a Christian worldview, on the other hand, answers the questions biblically. This is, this is important. Number one, we are God's creation designed to govern the world in fellowship with him. Genesis 1, verses 27 through 28, and also Genesis 2, 15. Number two, it's a, it answers the question, we've sinned against God and subject the world to a curse. Genesis 3. The third question and answer is, he says, God himself has redeemed the world through the sacrifices of his son, Jesus Christ. Genesis 3, 15, and also Luke Luke 19.10. And one day we'll one day restore creation to its former perfect state. See, a Christian worldview leads us to believe in moral absolutes, miracles, human dignity, and possibility of redemption. See, it's important for us to remember that a worldview is a comprehensive view of how we interpret and perceive the world. It doesn't just affect one area of life, it affects all areas of life, from money to morality, from politics to art. See, true Christianity is not a set of ideas used at church and not at the home. Christianity is taught in the Bible itself as a worldview. The Bible never distinguishes between a religious and secular life. It's a Christian life, and Jesus has modeled it for us. See, Jesus proclaimed himself the way, the truth, and the life. So how do we take on that perspective? We have to get to know what Jesus knew and modeled. See, number one, a Christian worldview gives you clarity. When you can live your life with a Christian worldview, it gives you clarity in life. I had a situation a few years ago happen to me where I started questioning everything, everything I believed. And it led me down a dark path until I was broken before God and brought back to him. I, I asked myself some hard, I was asking myself some really tough questions. I didn't feel like I had clarity in life. I didn't feel like I knew uh, that I was saved and that it was all, like I, all those doubts that I had were taking over. I felt like my, 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 the Bible says if you build your, build your house on shifting sand, it's gonna tumble, right? But if you build your house on the rock, it will remain forever. And I found myself questioning everything, not, not because I didn't want to believe. No, but God had to do something in me so that way when I, when, I'm in, when I have situations in life that I'm approached with, that I actually can stand firm in my faith and stand and believe for healing in somebody's body. I can stand firm in my faith and go, no, 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 there is a hope for tomorrow. Your marriage not, might not be working out right now, but guess what? We serve a God that can restore all things. See, your job, it might not be the career you wanted, but guess what? You have an influence in that career and that job that you're in right now. And there are people that need a savior. They're desperate for a savior. And you are the mouthpiece. See, I can stand firm in my faith now because I've walked through something. I've, I've solidified my worldview. Not, not because it's just a bunch of good words, not just because it's, it's got benefits, No, because God had a personal encounter with me. And he revealed things to me that only he can reveal. And he satisfied those questions in my heart. And it gave me purpose. It gave me meaning. I'm walking differently. I see clearer. It's not just about living for self-pleasure anymore. It's not about selfies all day long. Come on, somebody. 
I'm not against selfies. I'm not, not so many selfies, please. <laughs> Take some of your dog. <laughs> but my worldview, if I, if I know my worldview, I can stand firm. I can be a voice of hope. See, I think the problem that we have today in the Christian world is, as Pastor was pointing out last week, is, so you can say one thing, but when you haven't faced a real issue, you sit here and say it all day long, well, I'm this. But it all comes out when you face the issue, when you're standing in the middle of the storm, when you're standing in the middle of the, the battle, and the battle's saying, who are you? And the battle's asking you, are you going to come out? Are, do, you, do you actually have faith? So we have to know our worldview. It gives us a meaning. It gives us, see, uh, G.K. Chesterton, um, I'm going to summarize his point, but he says, and this is where I've gotten to, I'm not going to put myself in God's position. See, I, I, it used to drive me absolutely nuts that I couldn't understand all the workings, of all the ways of God. God, why does this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do people die? Why is there disease? God, I want to know. And it used to drive me nuts because I'm, I'm that kind of brain. And here's the example that spoke volumes to me. See, the mathematician oftentimes in life goes insane because he looks at the sun and he can't understand it. The poet looks at the sun and because the sun brings light to his world around him, he has meaning in life. See, the poet doesn't sit there and go, well, I got to understand everything this, about the sun to make sense of my world. I can just let the sun be the sun. I can just let God be God and just trust that he's a better God than I'll ever be and that he loves people way more than I will ever love people and that I, I can actually trust in a loving savior that it, we read in Romans from the beginning of time has been revealing himself to humanity and I don't have to worry about, did, do people, did people before Jesus, I don't have to ask all those questions because I trust God loves them more than I do and has given every specific person an opportunity to choose him. That's where I'm at. Because outside of that, it's like, well, God is, is hateful and vengeful and he's just one. No, no, God is a loving God. And I'm just going to let God be God. And I'm not going to try to pretend that I have the answers. I'm not going to be the solution. No, 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 no. Our Heavenly Father is the solution to our problems and our questions. And if I can just humble myself before Him, man, life becomes clear. And I can walk in clarity. You know, I told you I was going to talk about filters. Anybody ever moved into a home and didn't realize that you had filters in your home. <laughs> it's like that young and dumb, like, <laughs> I moved into my first house, and, you know, it was a miracle that we got into the house, and um, we just couldn't afford it, you know, and all that good stuff, and no, I'm just kidding. Um, we could afford it. But you get in the house, and you just, you're not thinking about, like, maintenance. Like, you're just like, woo, we're in the house. Well, a year later, come to find out, the HVAC is not cooling like it used to. There's filters that go on the HVAC, and when they get clogged, it damages your HVAC unit. HVAC unit. And after a $1,400 bill, which I did not pay because they did not let them fix it, I fixed it myself because that's who I am. <laughs> after a $1,400 bill, I realized filters are important. 
You know, a filter is similar to a worldview. How many of you filter the content that your children watch? You better believe I do. How many filter the, the content you watch? You probably should do more of that. Come on, somebody. Filters are important. The moment you realize the filter is important is when the thing breaks down. See, some of us, we got saved. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you accepted Jesus. But you were, you've also accepted that baseline filter that Home Depot, they put in your house when you first bought it. See, it's, it's, it's still working, but if you haven't renewed it, see, I brought this one for a specific reason. This is my personal filter from home. I signed up for fil- filterbyithink.com. It's, I am not sponsored. They sent me filters. I got on that plan where they sent me filters every month for a whole year, and now I got filters up the wazoo because I don't change them enough, okay? But this filter specifically is like MERV 13. This could go in a hospital and take out every disease and virus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I paid the extra for the filter. I don't want no cheap filter in my HVAC system because I've seen what it does, right? No, I want the best. I want the dust and dander out. I want every bacteria out. I, if I could get every spiritual, you know, spiritual force out, I want it through the filter. Go through the filter. Thank you, Jesus. Anoint the filter, you know. <laughs> but how many of you know that oftentimes in life we don't have filters? As Christians, we, a, a filter is like, it's, 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 it's your worldview. It's, 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 it's your Christian filter is your worldview. Only what you're allowing pass through that filter gets in. Some of us have been a little lax on our filter and we wonder why our marriages are falling apart. And we wonder why our children are falling apart. And we wonder why we have no career aspirations because all these distractions have come in. We've wondered Oh my gosh, filters. We could preach a whole series on filters. And we will be sponsored by then. (laughs) This is brought to you by... I'm just kidding. (laughs) Filters are important. You have a filter on your car. If you don't change the filter, the engine dies. What else do you have a filter on? You have a filter on your vacuum. If you don't have a filter on your vacuum, the vacuum breaks. If you don't have a filter on your life, your life crumbles. It falls apart. Come on, somebody. We need to put some filters on our lives. What is, and, how, and how do we get a filter? How do we know what filter? God, I want a filter. I want the best filter. I want the MERV 13, like Pastor said. Like, seriously, like, what do we do? It's not challenging, it's not difficult. I'll tell you, but I got to go into some other points. See, here's an example of a Christian worldview. Tell me if you've ever related to this. I feel sick. I'm, man, I, I'm just, I'm just been sick. I'm so sick. Ah, cough again. How many over the last six months thought you had COVID like 10 times? <laughs> You're laughing because it's true. It's like, yeah. I like checking my symptoms every day. No, I'm good today. Oh, wait, I feel a chill coming on. You know, like, that's just your filters. Hey, you know, you're, you have a good air conditioning system. <laughs> you know, the secular worldview is take some medicine, take a pill, go to the doctor, and by all means, we do that as well. But my first response as a Christian is not popping pills and seeing every doctor that I can. 
my first response is what? Let me read it to you. James 5, 14 through 15. If is any one among you sick, let them, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And they, and the prayed offered faith, is that right? And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. That's my first response. I don't just go to the doctor every time I feel sick. I would be, I would be in the emergency room a lot. Ooh, I got a pain here. Well, that's probably because you didn't stretch. Ooh, I, I have acid reflux. I maybe have... That's uh, because you're eating bad and you're drinking a lot of caffeine. Like, right? But my, my first response is not just popping a pill. My first response is, Jesus, in this situation, you are Lord over my life. You're my healer. Your word says, by your stripes, I am healed. And I stand in that healing today. The moment you implement that in your children's life, oh my gosh, wonders. Praying with your children at night, Dad, my head hurts. Okay, well, let's pray about that. And then I go get them some water because they're probably dehydrated. Drink the liquid, you know. Here you go. Um, but no, I, I seriously, I pray over my children. I pray over my wife. My wife has migraines at some points. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, over this head, whatever is not right in this head, by your stripes, she is healed. And then I start massaging that, that neck, you know what I'm saying? Like I do, my first response shouldn't be just massage the neck and be like, all right, is this done? Are we over with this yet? You know, like that's not the response. The response is no by your stripes, that's the biblical response. That's how we should respond when we're faced with sickness. Maybe you've had this situation. I'm a failure. I'm a nobody. I have no purpose. Maybe not in your 20s, but definitely in your 30s, you're asking that question. Like how many of you failed at a business venture? How many of you spent way too much money and it didn't work out? I'm going to raise both of my hands, but not too high. Like that's me. God, why did I think I could do that? I'm a failure. I had a, I had a flip a couple of years ago uh, that I did, and I think it was when I first started on staff, and I didn't make the money that I wanted to, and I left that, that flip left me defeated. And ah, put all this time and energy effort, and I looked at my, my father-in-law, who was my business partner, and he was, I was like, I have nothing for your efforts. I'm a failure. Man. What do I do? Sit at home, wallow in my stupid mistake? Or no, I get up. Because Matthew 11 says, or I get up and I realize that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So much so that Christ went to a cross for me. He gave me an ultimate sacrifice with his son. And so if, if Christ is willing because of, uh, to, to go to a, a cross for me, then I, I know I'm here for a purpose. And I know that God's put purpose in my life. And I know that my failure is not final. I know that I can step into a calling because I've learned something from my failure. You know, Pastor Brent, not recently, actually, we actually examined that specific thing in my life. And he said, look, you didn't actually fail there. You made one bad decision. If you, if you would have switched that one bad decision, you would have had this much profit light bulb, you know, like stop telling yourself you're a failure in whatever situation that you're facing. No, God's put you here for a purpose. He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made so much so that he has an, wants an intimate relationship with you and that he sent his son to die for you so you could live in his purpose. So don't wallow around because you failed once. Failure is not final. Here's another thought or situation. I just don't know what to do anymore. I'm just so tired. Oh, 
I don't know what to do. I'm just frustrated and tired with life. And it's horrible. What does the world say? Take a pill. It'll make you feel better. Go buy all these things. That's gonna make you feel better. Upgrade on your wife. That's gonna make you feel better. Upgrade on your husband. That will make you feel better. That's what the world will say. Because of what? It's about you. It's about your happiness. Oh, that's gonna make me happy. Guess what? If, if I did everything that made me happy, I probably wouldn't be here today. I'd probably be dead on the street. Because I'm wallowing my, I'm that personality that if I'm sinning, I'm sinning. I'm walling it. I'm not getting up. Don't tell me to get up. If I did everything I wanted to that made me happy, I wouldn't be the father that I am today. If I did everything that I did to, to, just to make myself happy without any regards to what God has put me on this earth to do, if I did everything, I wouldn't be on this stage this morning. So the biblical worldview, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. See, when you get to a place in life where you've tried it all, and you're tired, and you're frustrated, the Bible tells me, and I'm telling you it is true, if, it, if there's any, anything that you've ever uh, wanted to, to go to God for, that, that scripture right there. For all those that are tired, weary, those of you that have been running the rat race of life and, and feeling like you're getting nowhere, those of you that are questioning your career, questioning your calling, questioning why I'm in college, what am I doing in this moment, what does the Bible say? Come to me, all you who are weary, because we serve a God who wants to meet you in your weariness. He wants to meet you and he wants to take that heaviness off you. And I'm telling you, it's the most freeing thing when you can come before God and say, I don't got it all figured out, God, but I trust in you. And he takes that yoke off of you. And all of a sudden you're just like, oh my gosh, you are so good, God. You love me so much. Why was I carrying that for so long? Oh, now I can actually see the people around me. Now I'm not just burdened by my issues because you've, rele- you've, you've taken them from me. I find rest in you and now I can start to serve others. I can actually start to see people around me. He reminded me of this a few weeks ago. I was on the beach sitting back and I had a, a, a cousin that was at the beach with us or actually a brother-in-law was at the beach with us and he's actually out reaching people for Jesus on the beach. And I'm sitting there back there like a, like a Habib, like I don't know what it's called, but the, like, the, like the guy that's selling everything, like somebody at the, at, the, at the beach that's just selling a bunch of stuff, whatever you want to call it, a market guy. Like, that's me. I'm literally sitting back and watching this. God convicted me. He said, you, you've lost sight, Brian. See, you're, you live your life for me but you're so busy, you're so heavy laden that you don't see the need around you. And here I am sitting there like, God, how have I been so blind? Well, my filter's been clogged. I've been putting a lot of other stuff 
in my life at the altar of my relationship with Jesus. See, when this gets clogged, things start to break. But how do we renew this? How do we, how do we clean this? See, the, the, I, I replace the filter every three months. It's the same quality, but I replace it. The Bible says to renew your mind. How do we renew our mind? You gotta get into the word. You have to know what the word says because that's your filter. That sets your filter. I have to know what the word says. There's so many stories in the Bible that you can see a theistic worldview, what it looks like. See, Daniel faced his lions because of his worldview. He would not bow. David slayed his giants because he knew what God called him to. Queen Esther stood before a king and freed people because she knew what she was called to. Joseph withstood betrayal, slavery, more betrayal, dungeons, and ended up as the second in command because of his worldview, because what God has placed in his heart. Moses faced Pharaoh and set a people free from 400 years of slavery. What's your worldview? What has God called you to do? Because he's put you here for a purpose. He's placed you on this earth for a purpose to reach people around you. But you can't do that if, you're, if you don't have a Christian worldview. You can't do that. See, what, what did Christian, what is, why, why is it important? What is, the, what is the benefit of having a Christian worldview? Well, because the benefit is God has the answers. The benefit is you don't have to figure it all out. All you have to do is humble yourself. And I can build my life upon that. And when I build my life upon something that's solid like that, oh my gosh, life becomes clear. And I put filters in and I upgrade my filter by getting into his word. I get into his word and I see what it says about hard specific topics. And on the topics that I don't understand or know, I seek counsel. And on the topics that maybe only God has the answer, I go, God, that's you. That's you. I trust you in that. I know you, and that, that brings confidence to my life. And when I have confidence in my worldview, then I'm called to reach people, and I can actually see the people around me. That's the benefit. We live lives with purpose. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life when I get to 80 and go, I, I don't know what I accomplished. I, I have nothing. I got nothing to show for it. Now, I want to look at the Father in heaven, and I want to say, God, Number one, you are all I needed. You are all I wanted. God, thank you that you gave me a family to lead. I thank you that they're all following you. Also, God, I also thank you that you gave me a purpose that I walked out. I did my best, God. But I see this person, I see this person, I see this person because you used me in a certain way to reach my cousin, my family, my coworker, my boss, whoever it is. Thank you for that opportunity, God. Please, please say, well done and faithful servant. Please. Because this is all for you. My life has been all about you. But we need to build our lives upon his word because our world is hurting and it's in desperate need of a savior. 
We have the answer. We just have to be solid in our faith, solid in our view of the world in order to meet a need. Amen. Come on, I want them to sing this song out. I want you to listen to this song this morning. Would you all just stand to your feet for a moment? And let's sing this out. Because I think God wants to do something in this room this morning. I don't think it's just another Sunday. I don't think it's just happenstance that you're here. I don't think that you got online and reserved a seat just to come and, and enjoy the lights and enjoy the show. It's not a show. God wants to encounter you this morning. God found me in a room just like this. God found me desperate in a room just like this. And he encountered me not because I wanted to be encountered. No, because he's a sovereign God and he knew I needed that encounter. It was so good to have you tuned in right here today for this message. I pray that you are encouraged and you are strengthened inside of your faith. Man, you are confident here today in in accomplishing what God has laid out for you to do as a believer, whatever sphere of influence that you are in. I pray that you are ready to get it done. Now, our kids experience is coming up next. Make sure you jump online, get your kids around. They'll be encouraged to get ready for their week. Outside of that, keep on making a difference in the world in which God has destined you to lead in. Have a great week.